0: Well, like I said, we're gonna be in Mark chapter number one this evening, and we're excited to jump back into our series. And we've taken a couple of weeks off as Pastor came, and and uh, I think for three weeks in a row he he did a little bit of a, a joint series to kind of tag along with the servant leadership training. But we're excited to get back in tonight. And uh, I understand how it is, though we've taken three weeks off, which pretty much means that we all forgot everything that happened over the last seven weeks that we've been over the book of Mark. But uh, we'll do a little bit of review and uh, just a kind of catch ourselves back up. And one of the important things that you want to do anytime that you're reading the Bible is you always want to make sure that you understand the context. And so maybe in your Bible reading, maybe you read a chapter a day, maybe a story a day. One of the things you want to do as you begin reading is you always want to say, okay, what was it that I read maybe yesterday? What came right before this? To make sure that you're putting what you are reading now into the fuller context of what's happening. And that's what we want to do tonight is we jump into the latter end of the first chapter of the book of Mark, uh, we want to make sure that we remember the things that have come prior to. And so you'll remember as we study the book of Mark, we said that we had three primary goals that we want to accomplish, three things we're really going to look at through the series. And one of those was we want to develop a rich a rich theology. We, we want to really be able to understand the, the doctrines that Mark's trying to teach us. A lot of his Christology, understanding the nature of Jesus, some theology, understanding God and his nature. And we saw some of that already. We, we saw some things about the Trinity. We saw some things about the deity of Christ and uh, some other doctrine as well. And so we want to focus on developing a rich doctrine. But one of our other goals is we also want to be able to answer some common objections. And of course, the Bible is not without its skeptics and scoffers. And there's many people who tell who attack and who uh, who hail, rail against the Bible. And we want to be able to have a defense for the scriptures. And uh, we want to be able to answer some common objections that we may face and Maybe it might be you who would face one of these objections. Maybe it'd be one of your kids, but we want to be ready to have an answer for every man that asks us for a reason of the hope that lies within us. And so uh, that's what we want to be able to do. And lastly, we also want to be able to learn how to properly study the Bible. And uh, of course, as we look at the Book of Mark, the Gospel according to Mark, uh, it's a, it's a narrative portion of Scripture. And we said that every book of the Bible, um, there's different genres that there will be, and some of them are easier to understand. Uh, some application. And some of them are easier to maybe pay attention to, but harder to apply. And the gospel is one of those. It's a very interesting story, but we don't want to just read an interesting book. We also want to be able to apply it to ourselves. And what good is it to be able to read a great story and for it to not take any uh, effect or have any impact on our life? And so those are really the three things we want to do as we study through the book of Mark. And as we began seeing it, we said that Mark has pretty much two primary purposes Things that Mark is trying to show us, things that Mark is trying to do as we read through the book. And one of those was to show us who Jesus is, reveal the identity of Christ and even in the first chapter we've seen so much about Jesus we've seen his deity in the first couple of verses and Mark went back to the prophecies of the Old Testament and and showed how Jesus the Messiah is the God of the Old Testament and and we looked at those prophecies and the names that he used for that and and we we really have been looking at the person of Jesus we saw his authority to cast out the demons and his authority to call the disciples and his authority as he taught there in the synagogue and and there's a big picture of who Jesus is But on the other side, there's also a large portion of the book of Mark is geared towards showing us not only who Jesus is, but showing us who the Messiah is, understanding what the Messiah came to do. Because we got to remember, there were huge misunderstandings in the Jewish culture and the People of Jesus' day of what the Messiah was and what He was going to come to do, and and Jesus was going to have to show them, no, I'm not coming as some sort of militant liberator, but I'm coming as a Savior, not from Rome, but the Savior for your sins, and and so there's really these two aspects that Mark is trying to show us, and as we got into chapter number one, Jesus really begins His ministry, and uh, I guess we'll ask a couple of review questions. I haven't asked any of those. We got to get warmed back into answering a couple of questions. Who can help me out? What was it that we saw as we jumped into the book of Mark that kind of launched Jesus into his ministry? The, the one thing that we said, it, it was like his anointing that, that began to uh, propel him into his ministry here on earth. Does anybody remember, what was it? Brother Reese? It was his baptism. And we saw his baptism, baptized by John the Baptist. And remember that beautiful example of the Trinity as God the Father looked down on his son and spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit began to descend like a dove. And, of course, Jesus being baptized there. And, and Jesus began his ministry. And, and we want to draw a couple of emphases. Uh, is that even a word? Emphasises? Emphasize? I don't know. Is there a plural to emphasis? I don't, I'm not sure. And, but we want to draw some emphasis to a couple of things just by way of review as we get into today's lesson. And I want you to remember, after Jesus was baptized, he begins his ministry. But what was it? What was the very first thing that he began to do in ministry? Now, of course, right after baptism, he was tempted in the wilderness, but that's not him ministering. What was the first thing that Jesus actually did to minister as soon as he was baptized? Does anybody remember? What was it? Yeah. Say it it louder, Morgan. Yeah. He begins to go through Galilee and he preaches the kingdom of God. So the very first thing that Jesus does as he begins his ministry is Jesus proclaims the good news of the gospel of God. Jesus does not start his ministry with a miraculous miracle. I want you to notice this. He does not start with a miracle. He starts with preaching the word. And I just want to remember that as we get into today's lesson because it's going to be important a little bit later on. Uh, and you can see what I'm talking about in verse number 15, what he says. Uh, verse number 15 of chapter number 1 says, And saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. This is Jesus' message. This is how he starts off his ministry. And then accompanying his preaching ministry were miracles. There was a, a miracle ministry that came alongside of his preaching ministry, but I but I really want us to focus in again in just the fact that Jesus, his main purpose in coming was not to be a, a great miracle worker. The miracles were a way to authenticate the message that he was preaching. They were a way to get people to listen to what he was saying. So the emphasis of Jesus' ministry as he began was not on the miracles, it was on the preaching of the word. Okay? And then the miracles came alongside of the preaching. We saw some of those miracles. We saw him cast a demon out of that man in the synagogue. We saw him heal uh, Simon's mother-in-law. And then we remember that at the end of that story, all the people in all the town began to bring all the people from everywhere. All, everyone that knew a sick person brought them to Jesus. Everyone that knew someone that was demon-possessed began to bring all of these people who needed healing, who needed help, began to flock to Jesus' door. And we remember that he spent all this time ministering to all of these people. I'm going to look at these verses and just kind of just transition into the verses we'll read today. Look at verse number 32 with me. The Bible says in Mark one thirty two, And at even, remember this was the, the end of the Jewish day, so it's no longer the Sabbath, so they're able to work. And when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the demons to speak, because they knew him. Now we've got to remember, this all happened... In one day this is a very very busy day of ministry Jesus goes he's at the seashore he calls his disciples okay so he did something today but then they go from the seashore and they go into the city and they go into the synagogue and Jesus begins to teach so Jesus calls the disciples and he preaches and then you remember what happens is as he's preaching, that, that demon-possessed man, he begins to cry out, and then Jesus has to exorcise a demon from that man. So, so he calls his disciples, he preaches in the synagogue, then he casts out a demon, and then right after he casts out the demon, then they leave the synagogue, they walk over to Simon Peter's house, and they find Simon's mother-in-law sick, and he heals his mother-in-law. So Jesus is doing a lot in this one day. I mean, several miracles in this one day. And then it seems like it's over. Man, it's great. You know, we, we, we got a lot accomplished today. And it seems like it's about over. And then they head outside. And can you imagine? All the people begin to bring, all these sick folk, and all the possessed, and all the people who need something from Jesus. And they're going to flock over to Jesus. And Jesus spends the rest of this day healing and casting out demons and performing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. This is all in one day. This is a very, very busy day of ministry. Now, we just spent last Saturday doing a lot of ministry. Okay. For those of you who joined us up in Lake Isabella, as we started our open door ministry, we did a lot of things. And you remember we had to drive up an, an hour and some minutes up to the canyon, uh, through the canyon, up to Lake Isabella, and then there was setup that had to be involved. And we're setting up chairs, and, the, and then you know we're setting up all the booths, and we're making the food, we're heating up hot dogs and and popcorn, and heating up the the cheese for some nachos. And then you know we're we're getting all of the the tracks in order, and then we're out inviting people, and then we're talking to folks, and then there's preaching, and then there's an Easter icon and then we're collecting information. There's there's all these things, but then you, what happens after all of the men that we did, all the work, I mean, I'm sure many of us were tired. <laughs> I mean, we finished at 4 o'clock, okay? 4 o'clock. And I'm sure many of us were very tired, okay? Yeah. And you know what we ought to do? We got to drive back home. We got to get in our comfy clothes, find our favorite spot on the sofa, nestle in, maybe take a nap, maybe relax. For those of you who had kids, none of that. And uh, <laughs> But... but the the day was over, the ministry was done, and then we got a rest. Could you imagine though, if after all of that, you get back to your house, you know, you, you take off your, your, your you know uncomfortable dress shoes and you get in your slippers and everything and you get nice and comfy and as soon as you nestle into the couch, all of a sudden you hear the knock of the door and you go and you answer the front door and you find that all of your neighbors in all of your neighborhood found out that hey you were giving away free food. Hey, hey, we heard that there was an event and you were giving away free hot dogs. And you were giving away nachos, and you were giving away popcorn, and and you had Easter eggs and some candy for us. And, uh, hey, we we told all of our neighbors, and we brought all these folks. And you're looking outside, and there's hundreds, maybe even thousands of people expecting that from you. How would you feel? (laughs) Maybe a little overwhelmed. (laughs) Wouldn't you? a, A little, maybe some of us even a little irritated. This is literally what happens to Jesus. He does all this ministry only to then have to do more and more ministry. But Jesus doesn't get frustrated with these people. We see that Jesus has tremendous compassion on these people. He doesn't turn any of them away. He he, he loves on them. He he heals them. He meets the needs that they that they do have. But we have to remember again, Jesus, he wasn't coming to be a miracle worker. this is not the reason by which he came. We ended with these verses, and I made this statement. This is not, we cannot look at this and consider that as a success for Jesus' ministry. Because he didn't come to meet a physical need. Jesus came to meet a much greater need. He came to meet a spiritual need. There's something greater. Listen, you can heal somebody physically, but ultimately their soul is still going to spend eternity in one of two places. And Jesus wants to meet this eternal need, not just this physical, temporal need. And so, listen, while all of these miracles are taking place, and that's fantastic, I could imagine Jesus might be a little frustrated, but not... And the fact that he's bothered because people desire something from him. He's not bothered because he's inconvenienced. But I have to imagine that the heart of Jesus is more concerned that these people are coming to him not for the truth that he has. Remember, he's proclaiming the gospel. He's he's going around from city to city saying, hey, repent and believe the gospel. And now all these people, the reputation he has is as a miracle worker and they're coming because they want to be healed. They're coming because they have a need. They want to, they want to have met. But their heart is not in the place that wants to submit to him. They just want to come and receive something from him. Could you imagine It would be a little frustrated? At the same time, it would be like that illustration of us going to Lake Isabella. We come home, and all these people come, and they say, Hey, we want these chips. We want these nachos. We want these hot dogs. Well, listen, we didn't go to Lake Isabella to give out hot dogs. We did not go to Lake Isabella to give out nachos and have an Easter egg hunt. We did all of those things for one reason so that people would come and be able to hear the gospel message. This is the same reason that Jesus does his miracles. These are all just reasons to get people to come to listen to what he has to say. The problem is, now all these people are here, and they don't want the message. They're here for what he has to offer to Jesus. Okay, And so all of this is kind of picking up, by way of just review, of where we find ourselves today. And so look with me in verse number 35, and and we want to keep in mind two of those things. Number one, that this has been an extremely busy day of ministry, but also that the purpose for which Jesus has come is not to just do miracles, but rather those are to assist with his real purpose, to, to preach the kingdom. Verse number 35 is where we'll pick up with tonight's lesson. The Bible says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. And what we find is that on the tail end of all of this ministry, this all-day ministry of miracle after miracle after miracle, is that Jesus takes this time away to get away from all these people. I mean, he secludes himself from, yes, the people who needed miracles, but he secludes himself even from the disciples, and he goes away, he he hides himself from the crowd because he needs some time to replenish himself. I I really want to stress a principle as we look at a couple of these verses tonight. An empty cup has nothing to pour out. An empty cup has absolutely nothing to pour out. Jesus has spent so much effort and energy, and time, and labor pouring out, and pouring out, and pouring out, and pouring out, and healing this person, and preaching here, and calling there, and casting out a demon. He's pouring out, and pouring out, and pouring out. And what happens is now, he takes the time to replenish. Replenish. We said one of our focuses as we study the book of Mark is to learn how to study the Bible. Well, one of the important principles as we read the Gospel accounts is we want to understand that Jesus provides us with the perfect example of what a spirit led believer looks like. And what a spirit led believer does, the example that Jesus gives us, is that after pouring out, and pouring out, we have to take time to replenish of ourselves. We understand this principle in every other area of life, we understand it just intuitively. Maybe you're a gardener and, and you water the plants. You got your pitcher, you water the plants. You understand that you can only water so much before you have to refill the container, right? Like, it, it, it just makes sense. It, maybe, maybe you're a gym rat and you like to exercise. You, you understand after you spend time working out, you have to give your muscles time to replenish themselves, to, to recover, to, to heal, to, to build back the connections. They, they have to do that again. Well, the same principle is true with our spirits, as we pour out and we minister and we love people and we pour out of ourselves, investing into the lives of of the brothers and sisters here or maybe into the lost, we have to spend time to then step away and to replenish of ourselves and take some time to spiritually rest. And some people... They like to go, 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 and and, and full steam ahead and, and not take breaks and not slow down and, and this want to go. But, but I'm just going to tell you right now that you can only go so far before the tank runs out of gas, okay? Yeah. You only go so far before the tank runs out of gas. Last night, my wife and I were watching a movie with Ezra, and uh, we were watching Cars, okay? And uh, the great old spiritual movie, Cars. And at the beginning of the movie, um, Lightning McQueen, he's the main character, and, and he's a race car driver, and he's, he's going around the track, going around the track, and, and he really wants to get ahead. And so what he does is he doesn't want to take the time and stop to change the tires. And he says, I'm, I'm not going to waste the time. I, I should go, go, go. I got things to do. I got things to do. I want to win this race. I got to get ahead. And he keeps going. You know what happens? He blows two of his tires, <laughs> right? Well, it's just this, this common principle that we understand that you can only go so far before you have to stop. It. And when we don't stop... When we say, hey, I don't want to take the time, I don't want to have to, to set some other things aside for a second to be able to stop and replenish what I've got. Eventually, when we run out of gas, eventually, when there's nothing left to pour out, everything comes to a halt. Yeah. And so what we want to look at tonight is is a couple of principles of spiritual rest, specifically talking about rest in ministry. I'm not necessarily going to be talking tonight when I use the word rest or replenishing i'm not talking about hey you know what you've been working a lot you know you you're getting up early in the morning you're staying up late in the night and and you're tired and, and physical rest i'm not necessarily talking about that tonight i'm not even necessarily talking about mental rest and both of those things are necessary we, we need to to work on our mental health we need to take care of our physical bodies and, and steward the things that god has given us but specifically tonight we want to focus on the spiritual side of things and taking care of, of the spiritual needs that we have. And I want to give you just a couple of principles tonight from, from the verse that we saw uh, just now uh, about resting and about the things that, that we need for our souls. I want you to notice, number one, that this time of rest that Jesus takes, it comes on the heel of much ministry. So here's the principle. After a season of ministry... After a season of work comes a season of rest. After a season of work must come a season of rest. Here's the strange thing. It sounds obvious. But in the world we live in today, there's always a pendulum that swings, right? In in so many different areas, right? There's a a pendulum. It used to be that it was common for nobody to want to rest. You know, you look back at, like, you know stories from like the '50s and the '60s and stuff like that, and like everybody, the, the hardest workers. I mean, they're, they're they're I mean they're staying up late and they're working hard and they're doing all these things. And We don't need lunch breaks. And then now today, the culture that we live in, we we really have swung the other way, and and everything in this world's culture today is it's all about rest. You know, I'm like, hey, you know what? I, you worked you worked four hours. Did you get a thirty minute break? Oh, well, did you get a 15-minute break on top of that? And like we, we need all of this rest, you know? And, and and everything today, all these young people today, they're so focused on, hey, I, I need to take a second, I I just need to I need some me time. I I need to I need to work on myself, I need to rest. But I want to understand that rest is essential after work, okay? After work. And again, it sounds obvious, but some of us we want to rest, but we have nothing that would require us to rest. Like some of us have not poured out anything and therefore do not need to rest. You understand what I'm talking about here? And so in this point, what I want us to be able to do is we need to learn how to evaluate when it is time to rest and when it is time to work. And so some of us, we are working, 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 and we have to understand, hey, hey, there does come a point in which you do need to stop and you need to rest. And then on the other side, there's some of us that are resting, 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 resting. And we have to say, hey, there comes also a point where you have to stop resting and you actually have to do something. You have to actually get to work as well. And again, we're talking on spiritual terms here. So you make application wherever that fits in your life. But we need to learn how to evaluate in our own life when it's time to work versus when it is time to rest. If I were to ask some of you to maybe name 10 things that you do to pour into the lives of other people, some of us could list off, man, really quick, ways you're investing into your family. Investing into your kids, investing into your marriage. You've got a ministry here at the church, and you're know, hey, you going out soul winning, and you're part of the nursing home ministry, and you're going Sunday soul winning, and you're, you know, you're teaching in Sunday school, and you know, you're doing family devotions, and you can name all of these things in a heartbeat of all the things that you're doing to pour into other people. But then what if I ask you this? Name me ten things that you're doing to make sure that you're getting filled. How fast can we come up with that list? You know what that's a sign of. It's a sign that you're not taking any time to rest. You're not doing anything to make sure that your cup is full. Or maybe you're the flip. And I say, what are ten things you could do that you are doing to pour into other people? And you're like, uh. I drive my family to church. Yeah. What are things you can do for yourself? Well, you know, I I really take care. You know, I, I make sure I you know I'm. I'm getting, you know, a therapy session here, you know, I'm getting counseled here, you know, I'm making sure I'm taken care of here, I'm making sure my husband does this for me, I'm making sure this happens for me. And we can name all the things that we're doing for you, but nothing we're doing for someone. You know what that's a sign of? Maybe maybe it's a time for us to maybe stop making sure that we're so focused on ourselves and, and time to turn and say, okay, how can I begin to pour some of this overflow into some other people? and, and I just want you to understand that this time of rest. It's, it's essential, but rest is essential after seasons of work. Because what happens is, some of us, if, if, if we're working and, and we don't evaluate when it's time to rest, you pour out and you pour out and you pour out and you pour out and you pour out. What happens when you hit the bottom? What happens is that's when people burn out. That's why you see some people that like one moment they're on fire for Jesus and they're part of every ministry in the world, and man, I'm helping out with the teens, and I'm, I'm going I'm to start this ministry. I'm signing up for every single ministry available. I'm running this booth at Lake Isabella. I'm going to teach this class. I'm going to help the next hour in this class. Oh, sign me up for the nursery, sign me up for the cleaning schedule, sign me up for the sound ministry, sign me up for the specials, sign me up for this, and sign me up. And you're part of every single thing. And then all of a sudden, one day, they just drop off the face of the earth. And everyone goes, hey, what happened to that guy? Hey, what happened to that sister? What happened to them? You know what happened? They're pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And then all of a sudden, one day you hit the bottom and there's nothing left to give. And you go a little bit, and you stop giving of what the Spirit has filled and, and you start pouring out carnality. You're, you're no longer doing the things of the Spirit in the Spirit. You're, now you start doing the things of the Spirit in the flesh. You start doing them in your own strength. And can I just tell you, you're not going to be able to do that for long. And I say, you're not going to be able to do it well either. Which is why it's essential that we learn to evaluate, do I need to take a second and make sure that my spiritual health is okay? Take a second to to just evaluate, to make sure that, that I'm full so I can fill up others, so I can pour into some other people. And some of us need to take a second and evaluate, hey, am I pouring into anybody Or am I just resting and resting and resting? Because at a certain point, rest turns into complacency. And maybe for some of us, it just turns into flat-out laziness. And we're making excuses for ourselves to not do anything because we say, oh, well, I'm I'm just resting. I need a little time to cool. I was like, hey, you've been cooling off for three years. You know, I I don't know if that's rest anymore. That might just be laziness. It might just be complacency. And so the first principle I, I, I see here is that Rest is essential after a season of work. But then I also want you to see, look with me again at verse number, excuse me, uh, verse number 35. The Bible says, in verse number 35, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day. I want you to understand this. Rest must be intentional. It must be intentional. Intentional. How many of you guys like to wake up early? Do I have any early birds in here? (laughs) Yeah. Who's married to an early bird, but you're not? (laughs) Like, you're you're a night owl, but you're married to an early bird? That's me, all right? I'm the kind of guy, I can stay up as late as I want. I can go to bed at 9. I can go to bed at 3. I'm fine, all right? But what I can't do is I can't wake up at 6 in the morning. That's just not, that's not happening, Some of you guys, you like to wake up super early. I was telling, I think it was the teens, there's this weird, it's just a law of nature, okay? The older a man gets, the earlier he wakes up. I don't know what it is, but it's just a reality, okay? Like, my, my dad, when I was young, I mean, he'd wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning, but it's like every year he wakes up an hour earlier, you know? It's like, at the point, everyone's grandpa wakes up at, like, 4 in the morning. know, yeah, I don't know why it is, but they just do. My grandpa, would, he would come and he'd visit us, and I remember, like, you would get up in the morning, and all the lights are off, and you go turn on the light, and my grandpa's just sitting at the dining room table in the dark. Like, what, what are you doing? So I've been up for three hours just sitting here. Like, what is going on? You know what I mean I don't like to wake up early. And back in this day, people didn't have alarm clocks, you know, to wake up at a certain time. What most people did is they, they rose with the day. And so what you would find is if you got up early, there really wouldn't be many people out. There would hardly be anyone. You couldn't work. They didn't have a light bulb. You could go to work early and, and make sure, you know, like you could see everything. I mean, you, you had to work based off of the sun's timing. And so what happens here is that is that Jesus is intentional. He makes sure that In other words, he decided before the morning that he was gonna get up early and that he was going to rest. That decision didn't just happen. In in other words, you may need rest. It's not gonna just find its way into the schedule. And you can you can look at the schedule and, and wait for an opening. And wait for a time where like, oh, man, yeah, I'm just waiting for that time where, you know, like the the kids are off doing something. And, you know, like, hey, there's nothing on the schedule. We got nothing coming up. And, and man, I'm just going to be able to rest. Hey, you can wait for that, but you're going to be waiting a long time because it's just not going to happen. You know why? Because when we find an opening in the schedule, what do we do? We fill it. That's just what happens. We have a lot of projects we do here at the church. A lot of them. A lot of big projects that we can't just fit in the normal day. You know what we do? We sit, we look at the calendar, the yearly calendar, we say, okay, when when are we gonna be able to fit this in the schedule? And we say, oh, you know what, this month it's got like one thing on it. Oh, let's throw it in there. That's the that's the easy season, you know? That's a slow season. We're like, well man, I'm looking for that slow season. I'll throw one thing in there, and then later we got another project. Where are we putting that? Oh, yeah, that's a slow season. We throw it in there, and you know what happens? The calendar comes to the slow season, and you come to figure out it's not a slow season anymore. Why? Because we filled it up, and there's never the slow season. It's just from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And I'm I'm telling you, if you're just waiting for an opportunity to rest, it's not going to come. We have to be intentional about it. Jesus made the time. He had to sacrifice something else to make time for his spiritual health. He sacrifices sleep. Some of us maybe are, are not resting because we're unwilling to forgo something else to take care of ourselves. You say, well, I I, I don't have time. You might, you might be a young mom or something. I, I don't have time to, to read the Bible. I've got so much going on, and I've got to take care of the kids. Can I tell you? Listen, I know it may sound difficult. Your family will be okay 30 minutes without you. They will. They will. I don't, I don't care what stage of life that you're in. You can find time if you want to. It, it may cost you to sacrifice something else in your schedule. But that's okay. Some things are worth sacrificing over others. For Jesus, he was willing to forgo his own physical sleep to then read the Bible. It always bothers me so much. When I ask, in, for, in my situation, I often ask teenagers, I say, hey, have you read your Bible? And they say, no, why not? I've just been so busy. Wait. Really? What have you been up to? Man, I got school. Okay. Five hours, six hours. Then I got homework. Okay, hour and a half, maybe two hours. Let's say you took four hours to do it. What else? I got chores. <laughs> okay, 45 minutes, 30 minutes. I did you watch TV today? Oh well, yeah, I mean a couple shows. Oh, interesting. You hang out with your friends at all? I mean, yeah, a little bit. Interesting. Oh. Do you play any video games? Yeah, a little. Bit. Oh. So, in other words, you have time, but you're filling it with something else. And listen, that may be a teenager, that may not be you. But, but in other words, you have time in your schedule if you will make time for it. We're not. That busy that we can't fit it in. We have to be intentional to make time for these things. And so it's not going to happen by accident. We have to be intentional with when we're going to fit this kind of stuff in. And then I also want you to see in verse number 35. So it says, in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out, and I want you to see this, and he departed into a solitary place. You have to find a place where you can be alone. Find somewhere that you can go where there's not going to be a bunch of distractions. Jesus made sure that he was going to go somewhere. He wasn't going to go and he wasn't just going to wake up early and stay there where all the disciples were, you know, and he's going to pray. But as soon as one of them wakes up, now, I mean, now his whole time is ruined. He was going to go somewhere where there weren't going to be a bunch of distractions that were going to pull him away. Some of us, we, we, we try to replenish our souls, some of us, we really try to walk with God. And then as soon as the light pops on on our phone, oh, what was that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to reply to that person. Oh, man. Sorry, babe, I opened your message. You're going to have to remind me about that later. Yeah, okay. I wonder what's on Facebook today. And all of a a sudden, what happened? We're totally thrown off course. Why? Because we're so distracted. There's distractions all around us. Find somewhere that you can go where you're not going to be distracted. I love the days when I worked at Google during security and, and and we'd be in our patrol car and driving around, and I'm by myself. And nobody would work during that time. Everyone's out of the office, and there'd just be little offices all over the place where you could just go, there's a desk. Man, I love being able to get in there, just close the door all alone. Turn your phone off. Some time where you can go, you're not going to be distracted, but no one's going to pull you away. Because it, if it's intentional... We, we have to not only make time for it, but we have to make sure we, we go a certain place for it. And, but I also want you to notice, and this this is probably the most important part. Look at the end of the verse. So in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. But I want you to notice what he did. And there prayed. It wasn't just, I just need some time to get away. Oh, I, just, I just need a break. Ugh. Oh, I, I, you know, I'm just so overwhelmed. i i oh, I just, I just got to get away. I need some, I need some me time. That's not what this was. Jesus was going to make this time, make this very intentional time where he was going to get up early, where no one else was going to be away. He was going to go somewhere where no one was going to find him. He was going to be so intentional, and he wasn't just going to go so he could sit and he could just be there with his thoughts and he could just take a load off. No, he was going to go so that he could have some time alone with his father because you're not going to replenish yourself. The father has to replenish you. You can't be filled with yourself. Someone has to fill you up. And so Jesus was going to go, not so that he could just be alone with himself. He was going to go so he could be alone with his father. And so his father, he was reliant on him for his power so that he could do his will. Can I tell you that if Jesus needed some time to be alone with his father so that he could do his father's will, you do too. You're not better than Jesus. You're not more spiritual because, well, I don't need to take a break. I, I can just be a part of this. I, you know, I've served this ministry for 45 years. That's great. Jesus took a break. I, I think we'd be wise to follow his example. But this is, this is also really important. This break was not forever. To be honest with you, it wasn't even very long at all. Look at the next verse. The Bible says in verse number 36, and Simon, and they that were with him followed after him. It means they looked for him. At some point, the disciples, they wake up. Oh, oh, man, we've got to find Jesus. Oh, oh, man, where's he at? The bed's empty. And they go on and start looking for him and searching for him. Well, where's he at? In verse number 37, and when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And so eventually they find him. They're searching for him. And you know what happens? Jesus goes right back to ministry. You know why you rest? You rest so that you can begin pouring out again. You get refilled. You replenish so that you can continue pouring out. It's not so that, again, we can sit here and we can rest just so I can be nice and full and I can feel really good about myself. No. God fills us with mercy and grace and grace. He has compassion on us so that we can overflow and pour that out to others. And so Jesus, after the season of rest, he jumps right back into ministry. But I want you to notice, he doesn't stop his rest at the request of the disciples. He doesn't stop because the disciples finally found him. You see, Jesus had his own plan. He he already had a plan of what they were going to do. He had a plan of where they were going to go. Like, he had his own agenda. He wasn't doing this because the disciples came. The disciples come, and they say, hey, hey, the, the whole city is here. And we still got a bunch of people that want healing. We got a bunch of people that are possessed, and, and we need you to come back up, come back out, and we need you to begin healing again. We need you to get right back to work. And notice what Jesus says. He doesn't say, oh, l- yeah, you're right. Let me get right back to that. No, notice what he says. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And he said unto them, verse number 38, let us go into the next towns. Why? That I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. So he's ready to jump back into ministry, but notice he's not going to get distracted because Jesus has spent time walking with his father. He's been close with them. He's spent time praying it, You know what happens when we pray? As we pray, we're not changing God. God God changes us. He changes our desires. It helps us to know God's will more when we pray. And Jesus has spent time making sure that he is spiritually full, ready to pour out. And he knows what his mission is because he has spent time with his Father. And so he doesn't get distracted by people calling for him to do other things. He knows what his mission is and he's going to do it. His mission was to preach the gospel. Hey, all these miracles and all those healings, those are great. Jesus has compassion on these people. He wants to heal these people. But that's not why he came. That's only to aid in his real mission, which is to proclaim the good news of the gospel and that there's salvation readily available to all who would believe it. If they would hear, if they were to repent and believe in the gospel, that's why he came. And so when Jesus, he's replenished and the disciples come and say, hey, all these people are here. He's saying, listen, that's great. All these people are here, and they want healing. But all these people, they're not coming with a, with a, with a heart that, of submission to say, Lord, we want you. They're coming because of something. And there's all these people in all these other towns that don't even know who I am. There's all these people that don't even know the gospel, and I'm going to go to them. They have no light, and my job is to bring it. Could you imagine how much easier it would have been, how much more tempting it would have been to just stay there? <sighs> I couldn't doing a church plan is hard. You know the hardest part, and I've never done a church plan, I'm kind of just assuming here, but what I would imagine would be the hardest part about a church plan would be getting it started. <laughs> like it's the very like getting the first few people. You know what I mean? Like some some people they visit a church and you go to a church and there's a hundred people there, like, oh, this is a church. Could you imagine going to church? Like you get invited to the church, and you show up, and it's like you're the you the first one to ever show up. You know, like oh, it's where's everyone at? Am I in the right place? You know, like I could imagine it'd be kind of hard to get those people to stick. Like it, starting, it would be difficult. Jesus, he's got it. He's already got a following. A whole town is—they're all here. He could have built a massive following. He could have built a huge reputation. He could have made a huge movement out of what he's got going on there. But that's not why he came. He didn't come to to make himself great. He came as a servant. He came to point people to his father. And so Jesus is going to leave and he's going to continue doing that. Can I say, that's why we went to Lake Isabella last Saturday? We could. It's just up the valley. Or Canyon. we, We could spend time, and we do spend some time, trying to make this church the biggest and the best it possibly could be. We want to reach people here. We could put all of our effort into getting the biggest building out front here. We could put all of our effort getting a huge sign and doing all kinds of marketing campaigns. And we could put all the work in to make sure that we're the biggest and best church in town. But there's people in our surrounding communities, in Lake Isabella and Tehachapi, they don't even have a light at all. That's why we went. That's why we traveled up the canyon on the dangerous road. Some of us are getting car sick and everything. Why? Because there's people there who need the light of the gospel. And that's what Jesus was determined. That's where the heart of Christ was. He wanted to have compassion on people. But can I tell you this? The greatest act of compassion was not healing them. The greatest act of compassion was giving them a message that could save their soul. And this is where so many churches, it just blows my mind. They're like, hey, man, we're doing these missions trips. I'm like, oh, dude, where are you guys going? We're going to Africa. What are you guys doing? Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Build a skate park, you know? I heard a whole story of a missionary man. We plowed this whole field. It took hours and hours, and we made this awesome volleyball court so the kids would have something to do. I'm like, That's great. That's great. And you're like, hey, we provided clean water. That's great. They need that. But the, that is an act of compassion. But the greatest thing that you could do is give them the message that would save their soul that's what our message that's the heart of jesus and that is that should be our goal in our heart as well and so just as we look at a couple of things about rest and ministry it's necessary we can't continue pouring out if we don't continue to fill up ourselves it ought to be a regular thing for us to take some time and, and to replenish ourselves spend some that's why we're so often stressing hey Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Why? Because then if you're not, you're not replenishing yourself at all. You're not replenishing yourself. You can't run on fumes for for very long. Verse number 39. The Bible says, all right, let's read verse number 38. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth and he preached in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and cast out the devils. And so what we really begin to see here is Jesus' itinerant preaching ministry. And so, we, up until this point, Jesus—he's he's been in Capernaum. All these miracles have taken place in Capernaum, and now he's going to go from town to town to town to town to town to town to town. He's going to go all over the place, proclaiming the good news, proclaiming the good news, proclaiming the good news. And but also it says, and casting out demons. But he's still going to do these miracles, but first things first, his priority is on the gospel.